Hello and welcome to Radical Embodiment. This is Emily Wishall. I am your host. I am a certified rolfer. I am an embodiment coach and I am the author of the book Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. And this is my podcast. We are here in season three. We will have 12 episodes coming out every single Monday. And the way that this season will work is I'm kind of doing a back and forth, meaning the first episode is me in a solo episode, and then the next week is an interview. So basically every other week, one, you'll get me diving into a specific topic, and then the following week, I will be interviewing somebody in the embodiment, in the personal growth world. My intention, my focus with my work with this podcast is really to support in shifting the narrative that a woman's worth or her enoughness is tied into her weight or her physical appearance. And I believe the pathway to shift that, to shift the societal, cultural conditioning that most of us have been accustomed to is through the pathway of embodiment, is through the pathway of being in our body. And so my offering with this podcast is tips, suggestions, practices from guests of mine, stories from guests of mine, my own stories, personal accounts to help support you in your own radically embodied journey. If you're curious to find out more about my work, you can go to radicalembodiment.com. I offer private one-on-one coaching for women who are interested in releasing body shame, who feel insecure, ashamed in their body, who are ready to stop the body hate for good and ready to truly learn to celebrate the skin they're in. So you can go to my website or set up a call with me there to find out more. So now let's go to today's episode. I'm happy you're here. Hello and welcome to episode nine of season three of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. I'm your host, Emily Wishall. I am a certified rolfer, embodiment coach, and author of the book, Radical Embodiment, A Practical Guide to Celebrating the Skin You're In. And today's episode is on sex, desire, and appetite. And I've been wanting to record and share this episode for a long while, um, to be completely honest. And I haven't because it has felt quote-unquote hard But I think that hardness is coming more from a place of it feels a little edgy, um, risky, you know, um, for me to share. And so I just wanted to start the episode with being transparent and and naming that. But it feels like a really important episode to record and to share because it is a topic, it is a theme that showed up in my own uh, relationship with my body and with food. It is a topic that shows up time and time again with my coaching clients who I take through my 12-week one-on-one coaching program. And I know it's a common thing that shows up for women and it's important to name it, to talk about it, to address it, and share some of my own insights and thoughts and reflections on it. So again, our topic, sex, desire, and appetite. So I want to just first just kind of um, share where I'm I'm coming from. And to preface this episode with a lot of women feel really unsafe in their sexuality. And what I'm meaning by sexuality is 
your sexual desire, your sexual appetite, being in even your sensual, sensuous body. And there is a difference between being sensual and being sexual. And there is, of course, inherent overlap between the two. And because of that overlap, I often think, especially in um, or Western culture, that a woman who's feeling really like in her sensual body and feeling good from even just a sensory experience, thinking of our five senses, is seen as like, oh, wow, like she's so in, like sexy or she's being overtly sexual when she might just be like feeling really good in her body. And because those are so, our sensuality and sexuality are so often commonly linked that I think when we are in even just a sensual experience, an experience of really enjoying our food, an experience of moving in our body in a way that feels really good and really pleasurable for us, we might want to shut it down a little bit, make it a little bit smaller. We might feel a little wrong for that because of the shame that has been put on upon us because it's seen from others' eyes um, or even just because we don't want to receive unwanted attention as because you know we're quote-unquote being too sexy. And even the word pleasure, I feel like has somewhat become a dirty word. When we think of pleasure, often, not everyone's, but heads will immediately go to sexual pleasure and pleasure in relationship to sex. And there's so much more to pleasure than that. And I think that's such a disservice to who we are as humans and specifically who we are as humans who identify as female. A huge aspect of being female is being in our sensual body, is being able to receive and open up our receptivity to receiving pleasure. And that pleasure could be sure from some sort of, from, from sex, from our sexuality, but it could very much be from food, from feeling the sun on our face, from feeling like on a hot day, putting your feet in some cool water, or taking a sip of cool like water, like drinking it. There's so much of pleasure just watching your children play and enjoy each other. So it's I'm, I'm wanting to always often even just bring up the word and topic of pleasure because it has become kind of tainted, kind of wrong, like it's bad. And we can reclaim that. And with that, the more that we can allow ourselves to feel safe in our pleasure, the more that will have an immediate connection and correlation to this topic we're going to continue to dive in deeper and more specifically on sex, desire, and appetite. And I'm going to read a short, short section from my book, from Radical Embodiment, the book, from chapter 10. So chapter 10 of the book is titled Tap into Desire. And a section of this chapter is called, Good Girls Have Small Appetites. And so I'm going to read from that section. I felt wrong for having a big appetite. Wrong for shoving down all my Christmas candy. I felt wrong for feeling sexual. I felt wrong for being too fat. As a young girl who wanted to be good, 
so that I could win the approval of others and feel as if I belonged, I thought I shouldn't want too much and felt wrong for my wanting. It makes sense then that the next natural thing for me to do was to suppress. If I pushed down my excessive desires, then I could be good. Sadly, no. When you reject a part of yourself, that aspect of you does not go away. Instead, it comes out in a disordered way, like hiding in my closet, eating my Christmas candy to push down and numb my desire. Many of us subconsciously hold the belief that being quote-unquote girly or feminine is having a small appetite, eating delicately and only an appropriately limited amount. We are not to hunker down hungry for a full meal or be ravenous in our sexual appetite. Society wants us to squelch our appetites for food and for life and obsess over our bodies, trying with all our might to be thin so we may be loved and accepted. So many women I work with have been conditioned since childhood to feel wrong for their body's natural reaction to release tears after being hurt or feeling upset. We are conditioned to not ask for too much or to be too emotional. Don't cry, and if you do, you best go in your room and do so in private. Stay quiet, stay small. I'm going to actually continue reading because this is all a great preface um, to give context for this discussion we're having. So the next section in the same chapter is called Hunger is Healthy. Everyone has a deep biological hunger to be part of the tribe. It is ingrained in us. We are hungry to belong. If we fear that voicing what we truly want will make us outcast, we will instead do whatever it takes to feel as though we do belong. Often, doing whatever it takes involves something along the lines of not letting your needs be known, and not allowing anyone to witness your full appetites for food or for life. Your hunger isn't wrong. Sexual hunger, hunger for food, hunger for justice, hunger for a different life are your body's way of sharing you, of sharing something with you. It is a messenger. The next section in the, is called Suppression, Shame, Controlling and restriction. Anytime you suppress anything, that behavior or feeling then becomes amplified. This is where compulsion and the feeling that you are out of control come from. The soundtrack I was internally repeating to myself growing up was how wrong and fundamentally flawed I was for my feelings of intense desire. When you believe and can you continuously repeat, even on a subconscious level, a limiting belief, this creates pattern overlays in your mental and physical makeup. Instead of allowing yourself to feel what you feel and to want what you want, you cover yourself with rigid structures to hide your imperfections and have only your appropriate parts be seen. The key is to notice and allow your wants. Now, that doesn't mean you necessarily act on them. Although if you do know that you are not wrong and you should release any self-judgment that may arise. 
If you make a choice that you feel mixed about it, make it and move on. You must clear any judgment that what you want or desire is wrong. In place of that, allow yourself to feel your wish for pleasure. Feeling it is, and then talking about it clears the shame. Otherwise, it gets suppressed and hidden away in your fascia and tissues. And it will then come out as disordered eating, excessive exercise, feelings of general body hate and pain. Allowing yourself to experience and be seen in the full spectrum of your humanity as a gift to all, but most importantly, to yourself. (sighs) I have not read my book in quite some time, and I have not read it aloud at all in quite some time. So um, I'm actually having a lot of emotion, even just reading that as I record this podcast. And I, I hope that it got you kind of thinking or feeling something maybe that you can relate or resonate to in your own experience. But so how I am putting together this connection between our sex, desire, and appetite. So coming back to how many of us specifically, again, those of us as women, um, and not that men or people who, you know, who identify as male don't feel unsafe in their sexuality. It's not what I'm trying to say. But there is definitely, definitely, like no doubt about it in like if you th- – I'm thinking of a ratio, right, of like a – I don't actually know the numbers, but like a 10 to 3 kind of ratio. Maybe it's not that extreme, but a very much larger section of women – have felt and continue to feel unsafe in their sexuality. And why is that happening? Where is that coming from? One, religion is a huge piece. Um, Two, trauma, whether it be trauma that happened to a female or, you know, a male, um, but I'm just speaking to female here, um, in their childhood and their youth, a sexual trauma from someone they knew a loved one, or sexual abuse. Um, It could be for a lot of women, especially as they're starting menstruation, having really painful periods is a big way of wanting to dissociate from your sexual organs because it's giving you a lot of freaking pain. It's giving you, there can even be a lot of embarrassment for young females when they start their period, their menstruation. They don't kind of don't want people to know or walk quietly. It feels wrong. It feels dirty. I was definitely in that category when I started at like 12 years old. It was one of the first in my class who started menstruation. I remember trying to so delicately and quietly in the bathroom as I was like, you know, changing my um, pads and didn't want anybody to know because it felt dirty. It felt shameful. And yet this is just a part of being in a female body, a part of our hormones, a part of how our body regulates itself. There's so many continual overlaying that is shifting, which is beautiful, but so many things that have been like conditioned into us as women of how we're wrong for what our female body does, for what our female body wants. We've been made to, if you are a woman who really wants to put herself out there, who has big goals, who maybe is just out there like and really living in her sexuality and comfortable in it and wearing, you know, revealing clothing that feels good to her, The projections that are put onto her from others are she's too much. Who does she think she is? She's getting too big for her britches. 
or, oh, she's asking for it, meaning she's asking for that unwanted attention. She's asking for the, I'm going to be a little bit graphic here, like the rape or the unsolicited slurs and getting hit on because of what she's wearing when no, it's just something that helps her feel good and is a way for her to celebrate her body. So all of the, you know, it's almost like if a woman is, it's so common to be walking down a street as a female and have people whistling at you or making comments. And especially if you're walking alone, it can be very uncomfortable. I think most women often even walking alone at night can feel very unsafe. There's this kind of inherent vulnerability that we're walking around with that honestly men can't really understand because it's very different to be in a male body and you're not subject to this kind of attention, to this kind of even um, criticism. It's like you can't get it right. You know, females are, they're either too small, they're too skinny, or they're too big. When you look at the news and at celebrities, female celebrities are way, way, way more frequently asked about like what they're wearing or what was the diet they did or how were they balancing their work and, and family life versus a male actor who might have a similar situation? But it's not a question of, well, how was he balancing fatherhood and, and his work life? Um, or he's not a bad father because he's working a lot versus for women. If you're working a lot, that, oh, you're a bad mother. How can you, how can you be present? There's this I can go on and on, and I'm getting a little off topic and heated about it because there's just so much um, unbalanced pressure and expectation put on us as women and female bodies that is so specific to also us and our female sexuality. And the I didn't read the beginning of chapter 10 of my book, but to give a little context from the sections I just read, I start the book um, every um, seven of the chapters go through uh, my own personal coaching process that I work through with clients. And there's seven main limiting beliefs that I see. And the limiting belief in chapter 10, which is tap into desire that we're working through is I am wrong. And it's that belief of I am wrong where shame gets created. Shame is manifested when we are making a judgment on ourselves about our character or about who we are as a person versus guilt. Guilt is when we feel maybe we made a wrong decision or we feel bad about a behavior. That's guilt. Shame is when you're putting that on yourself. If I must be a bad person because I have a lot of sexual desire. I must be a bad person because I overate. I must be a bad person because I want more for my life than what everyone in my familial unit, my community is telling me is okay for me to have. And so all of those are like these desires, these desires we have. And when we have large desires or maybe even small desires, but when we have these large desires, we can often be made feel wrong for having them because we're wanting too much. We should just be happy with what we have or, you know, try to have a little bit more, ask for a little bit more of a, you know, salary increase, but don't ask for too much. You know, you don't want to be seen as too needy. Don't ask for too much in your relationships. You don't want to be too needy or too emotional or blah, 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 blah. And so our natural inclination when that's what we're receiving, whether it be from colleagues, from work, from familial units, from friends, from community, from just what we're seeing and how we're perceiving what we're seeing is we suppress it. 
we suppress our desires. We try to push them down. And again, the beginning of the chapter, um, Tap into Desire, I'm talking about myself as a very, very young little girl, like around eight, nine, 10 years old, and having really intense sexual desire as a little girl. And not, literally, I remember going into, like, we, you know, encyclopedia days before the world of Google and grabbing from my family's living room the S encyclopedia secretly. You know, nobody's around, brought it back into my room to specifically read about sex in the encyclopedia. And it was in that encyclopedia that I learned about masturbation, which I had been doing, but I didn't know that I was doing masturbation. And that's when I, it literally said in the encyclopedia that the Catholic church believed masturbation is a moral sin. And one, I didn't know that's what I was doing. Two, I didn't know it was a sin. And so I had already all, I was raised more context as Catholic, very, very, um, from a very devout Catholic family who I'm still very close with. And it's not, I'm, I'm close with my family and that's not my religious path or belief whatsoever. So of course there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of suppression, a lot of shame created from that. And so here I am, this little girl in her room reading and learning that what I am doing is a sin and is wrong. And I remember also having this moment of like, okay, I have all this, like, I could feel all of this sexual desire and lust and longing and want and literally doing the math of like, okay, also like sex outside of marriage in the Catholic church is a sin. And I didn't want to be a sinner. I didn't want to be a bad girl, right? I wanted to be a good girl. I wanted to receive love and approval and acceptance. And I did the math. I was like, okay, in 10 years, I'll be 18, which is the legal age to get married. So I'm just going to get married really young. I can hold out for these 10 years. Fast forward way more than 10 years and it's not what happened. And grateful that I didn't get married at that young of age. Um, and I'm laughing to make a little light of it as I also, it's, you know, deeply emotional and personal to me. And I think that a lot of us women have our own stories of maybe, you know, being made to feel wrong as little girls for our body's innate natural inclination to experience pleasure. And it's like when it was really pure and innocent, almost made to feel wrong or bad or dirty. When it's like literally there's our minds aren't, it's just our body's natural response. And so when we suppress, as I was speaking about in, in the, as I was reading the book, as any time we suppress anything, it does not make it go away. Suppression is pushing things into deeper into our subconscious. Uh, I talk a lot, I'm sure I've talked on this podcast, but I talk a lot about in the book and work with my clients about the idea of shadow work. And simply put, shadow work is an aspect of ourselves that we are not owning. And we have light and we have dark shadows. Light might be what we think of as like the quote unquote good attributes of like compassionate or beautiful or brave or courageous. Um, and the dark shadows are like what we might think was like ickier or, or quote unquote bad, um, which might be like naughty or dirty or um, I'm a sinner or I'm mean or I'm rude. The list can go on. And so often when we're suppressing, it is an aspect of ourselves that we are not 
owning that we don't feel comfortable with, that we feel wrong about. Usually there's some degree of shame involved because we're suppressing and trying to push it down under the surface. And the more we do that, that, that aspect of ourselves, it doesn't just go away. Instead, the more we suppress, the more disorder that gets created. Because instead of looking closely, compassionately, and gently at that aspect of ourselves and working to integrate it into our overall framework, speaking from a very much a mental, emotional, um, physical, spiritual aspect of who we are as humans, and as if we can work to integrate it, and I'll, I'll give, you know, examples of what I'm talking about here in a minute, but that's creating more organization in our, in our, in our system, in our being versus when we're suppressing and pushing down, we're creating more disorder, more dis-ease. And I actually, I mean, this is, feels like an edgy, bold statement, but it feels true. You look at the Catholic church and the amount of abuse that has happened from Catholic priests that has been hushed, hushed, shut, you know, quiet, quiet. I think a lot of that is they're like trained to suppress their sexuality and made to feel wrong. So it's like for years and years and years. And I think then it comes out of this really icky, gross, truly immoral, truly violent behaviors. And so what, instead of suppressing, and, and also I think a lot of us, we try to suppress our diets. Those of us who have felt like we need to be skinnier or thinner or something's wrong with our body, well, let's suppress my appetite. My appetite's wrong. I just got to push it down. For me, that showed up as disordered eating from like not eating to then binge eating. The cycle continues. And it's a very, very common cycle for a lot of women. And our appetite isn't wrong. Our appetite is usually showing us something. There's a message behind it. Again, this appetite is for food. This appetite is for life. It's for sexuality. There's so many things we can tie into that appetite, into that desire. And I believe the key in helping to unwind this unhealthy patterning and ingraining is, is to not suppress it, but to look at it, to acknowledge the desire, to acknowledge the appetite. And that might feel scary. It might feel edgy, but I'm going to name like looking at it, acknowledging it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to act out on it. You're just giving space and room to get curious about, huh, what is this wanting to show me? What is present here? What is it that I'm feeling? And if we can allow ourselves and our nervous system, it's a key piece, our nervous system has to feel safe enough and resourced enough to actually allow for us to be in a capacity to, to process and be with this. But when we can do that, then we can make a more empowered choice of, yeah, this is something that's aligned and true for me and I want to act on, or hmm, this is not something I want to act on or fulfill this appetite or desire, but it is showing me where I may be out of integrity or maybe where I'm out of um, like a shadow that's ready to be integrated. And so how can I move through this? A lot of traditions 
Um, like Tantra, for example, which I'm not trained in. So if I get this wrong, forgive me, but is ultimately about a big piece of it is, is utilizing our sexuality and also how can we harness that energy for other things. So it's, it's, it's how can we increase our capacity to be with, with those feelings, with that desire and not need to necessarily act on them. And I think a big thing in the Catholic church, at least in my perspective is it's like, we don't talk about it. Sex is wrong unless you're married. Sex is wrong unless you're married. No conversation about, yeah, but I feel sexual desire. What do I do about that? Go to confession, confess it. You know, like, mm, sorry, that's kind of flat and there's way more to it. I Like that's again, just suppressing it. That's the, again, just a superficial layer. But if we can talk more about how, yeah, it's probably common. It is common. We're humans, right? It's a common feeling to feel. How can we come into a space where we can be with that and maybe harness that energy for creative outlet, for pursuing an endeavor of something that we want to do in our life or creative avenue like in, in business or creative in regards to something for a social injustice you feel passionate about. But there's ways of actually harnessing and using that energy to produce something else. Hey, it's Emily, and I wanted to interrupt this episode to let you know about a free gift that I have called Stop the Body Hate for Good and Celebrate the Skin You're In. So are you trapped in an exhaustive mental loop of feeling unhappy in your body? If so, I see, hear, and feel you. I know what it's like to be stuck in that cycle of body hate. And my beautiful friend, I'm here to tell you, it is time to free yourself for good. It's time to say goodbye to wasting energy on worrying about your physical appearance. It's time to say goodbye to adjusting your clothes and or sucking in your stomach. It's time to say goodbye to any and all effort to try and make yourself look smaller or bigger. It's time to say goodbye to any and all attempts to receive others' approval based on appearances. The only thing these types of incessant, harsh, and judgmental thought loops do is drain you and rob you of your life force. Despite the cultural delusion that a woman's worth is tied to her weight and physical appearance, you have the power to stop the body hate. My mission is to change that collective narrative that keeps you stuck in a mental loop of feeling bad about your body and empower you to take complete ownership of you. Learning to be in your body is the key in slowing this train down and coming into a state of love, gentleness, understanding, and complete acceptance, just as you are. So Stop the Body Hate, How to Stop the Mental Loop of Feeling Bad About Your Body, will guide you to being fully in your body, bringing your power back within you, will guide you to stop trying to fix any discomfort through external means, it will guide you to halt the vicious thoughts that keep you stuck and it will guide you into a state of ease and presence. This free practice includes a guided audio practice, which is a meditation where I take you on a journey 
bringing you into your body and slowing down that negative mental thought train. It also includes a step-by-step detailed PDF, which will support you in changing the narrative and catch the unhealthy thought patterns quickly to help you make an empowered choice of how you feel and view your body. It's with deep love that I share this nourishing practice with you. And I hope it serves you well, and I hope you take advantage of it. So if you'd like to take advantage and receive the radical embodiment, the um, how to stop the body hate, go to my website, radicalembodiment.com, and you can click the page that says free gift, or you can go directly to radicalembodiment.com forward slash free hyphen gift hyphen page. So it's radicalembodiment.com forward slash free hyphen gift hyphen page. And from that page, you can put in your name and your email, and then the audio and PDF will automatically be sent to your inbox. So I hope that this is a supportive practice for you, and I hope you take advantage of it. Now back to the episode. Okay, so how can we feel safe and resourced enough to be in a position where we have increased our capacity to be with these desires, to be with these appetites that create discomfort in in our system that we're not sure we feel conflicted maybe about? So it comes down to our nervous system. It's key. It's essential. And how can we help our nervous system feel safe and resourced to look at these things? And ultimately to me, it's how can we, we need to come into our body. We need to come into our body. And so I have to name, because it's important if you have had a lot of trauma and abuse and other traumas I didn't even name could be, you know, just healthcare trauma. It's a real thing, especially as females and having to get exams and other procedures done that can create a lot of pain, discomfort. Um, but is if, if, if there's a significant in your past and it's really unsafe in your body and your nervous system's really revved up and you haven't already, like definitely please receive some support um, therapy specifically. And if you can find a somatic experiencing therapist practitioner, that's, I would really encourage you to do that to help start to retrain, remind the body it's safe to come within um, by first releasing and looking at some of this trauma and um, helping you come back into a more resource place. So that's essential first. And so next it's, if, if you're, you know, have, have done that and you're more resourced and have done some healing work, then you can start to work on it even just on your own. I mean, I ha- like I'm such a fan of support. We all need support. We need eyes on us. Like for example, this is a simple example, but even like coaching, um, I lifting wise strength workouts haven't worked with a coach in a long time, and recently started working at a local gym and getting coaching there. And it's been so helpful. These small, subtle things in my form where you know, I'm a bodywork practitioner. I work with bodies. I think about bodies all the time, but I was doing little slip ups that I wasn't noticing because I couldn't see that they're my blind spots that they would point out in my lifts. That's really helped me 
lift in a more resourced place. So that's just coming from, you know, purely physical, like strength training, but we all have blind spots and we need support, especially in this work of embodiment. This work of embodiment is courageous work. It's brave work. It's, it's actively going into these places of discomfort, places of inner conflict, places of inner uncertainty, places of shame that we probably want to turn our head away from or continue to suppress or push down. And so having that support outside of ourselves of a coach, again, a therapist, a trusted friend, a mentor, someone who is helping to hold the space, is helping to hold the container so that we can feel a little bit safer in going into these edgier places is so important. And we can also continue to do the work ourselves as well. And that's one of my main intentions with this podcast is to provide free resource, free educational tools um, to help you along your embodiment journey. And so just right now, even just like take a deep, easy breath in and out with me. So inhaling through nose, exhaling through your mouth. And as you inhale, really letting your belly and your rib cage expand out in all directions. It actually feels really good. I'm like, let's do one more breath. And when you exhale this time, really inviting and utilizing your exhale to help anything soften that's holding on more than is necessary. So breath, our breath is probably one of the first tools that's free, that's readily available in any given moment that can help to slow down the the loop that can get sped up in all of these examples and contexts I've been speaking to, to help bring us a little bit more into our body and to help invite us more into the present moment. And just those two deep breaths we did together, what I noticed personally in my body and in my you know, current state is I feel more relaxed, more at ease. I feel more grounded, centered, and present in my body and present with you, even though I'm recording this in time that you're not listening to this. But I can feel more of that container. So our, I think the breath is a beautiful place to start and a beautiful place to continue to come back to. So if you're having a moment where you're feeling wrong, feeling like these strong urges, whether it be towards sex, whether it be for food, something else, if you can just even take a few, take two breaths, you know, what did that take? 15 seconds? And you could do that even if you're in a room with other folks, right? It's not something that has to be done like, okay, now I got to go sit in this room and do this meditation. I need time for that and blah, blah, blah. You can take these breaths anytime, any given moment through the day in your car when you're driving to just help recenter, to help refocus, to help little by little by little continue to increase your capacity to be with yourself. So breath is essential. And 
you know, next I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of our, of our pelvis and, and learning about our pelvis from a very like anatomical perspective and then learning how to actually like inhabit and be in our, in our pelvis. And I know I've, I've done, I, I wish I could reference the exact episode now. So I apologize for that more of a meditation on, on this podcast for that. But if that's something you're interested in, or you would like more resource to specifically help you feel more safe in your body, feeling more safe in your vulnerability and authenticity, then I have a free um, gift. It's a free meditation that I would really encourage you to, to access, to utilize. It's a, it's a great resource. So you go to wishallwellness.com forward slash radical hyphen embodiment hyphen free hyphen gift. So wishallwellness.com forward slash radical hyphen embodiment hyphen free hyphen gift. I will put that in the show notes so that you can find the URL there. But you just sign up with your name and email. And what you'll get, it's actually the free gift that's related to my book, Radical Embodiment. And so you'll get one, a very in-depth step-by-step PDF of how to sit natural alignment, where I'm speaking a little bit more specifically of how can you sit in more natural, easeful alignment by learning about a little bit about the bones in your pelvis and proper positioning, more optimal positioning, which is really helpful in beginning to feel safe in our body. I think it's so important. The more we can understand our anatomy and physiology, the more we can work with it, the more compassion and gentleness we can have for ourselves, the more we are able to, hmm, how can I get into a little bit more of a comfortable position to support me in being with this uncomfortable sensation? And then you'll also receive an audio meditation practice that's from chapter seven of my book, Finding Safety and Security in Your Own Body. Um, so the yeah, practice again is finding safety and security in your own body, which is why I thought, well, it's really specific and present to this topic of sex, desire, and appetite. Because if we want to be able to be with those desires, those appetites that we've historically maybe labeled as wrong and we've maybe swung on excess or swung on the opposite end of not of just suppression, we need to be able to feel safe and secure in our own body to start to look at them, to start to be able to be with them in a way that is empowering and invites us to make a empowered choice versus a conditioned limiting response. So go and download that. You'll get the audio and it's it's a great free resource. And I want to go back a little bit into the um, topic of pleasure as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, which is like, quote unquote, this dirty word. And the more we can invite pleasure and being able to actually receive that pleasure, the more I believe we're integrating these maybe shadowy aspects of ourselves that we have felt wrong or bad for. And if you're, if you have currently feel or in the past felt wrong for like the, what I read from my book for, you know, I felt like a bad little girl for having sexual desire. I felt like a bad little girl for overeating, you know, like eating most in one sitting, all the chocolate in my Christmas stocking. And I was eating and shoving all that chocolate down my face, but I wasn't actually receiving any pleasure from it. It was doing it in a way of like soothing of like trying to shut down and 
natural response and sensations my body was having. All, of course, this wasn't a conscious choice. This was happening unconsciously. But I really believe the more we can actually allow ourselves to receive pleasure, specifically through eating, through food, the more it will with time help to alleviate disordered eating. And yes, there's so many layers to this. Um, so I, I hope this isn't like taken out of context of like, this is the way, but it's an important piece to handling disordered eating. So if we're speaking to our appetites and this idea of like, you know, quote unquote, good girls have small appetites. And as a woman, you shouldn't have too big of an appetite or you should only eat a certain amount of calories or you shouldn't want those bad foods, you know, whatever it may be, but you have an appetite for it. It's like, oh, I want to eat a cookie or, oh, I want that brownie or, oh, I want this thing. If we restrict those foods, label them as bad, that's actually going to create the reverse effect of what we want. And psychology totally has studies that, that show this. When anytime we restrict something, um, it's it's actually going to make our mind, our mental capacity, just want it more and more and more and more. Again, it's not going to go away. And so if we can uncouple, if we can just like, okay, like I, I see this brownie, like, but like when we're putting restriction, when we're labeling them as bad, I also feel like we're, we're leaving our bodies and we're losing our power. We're placing our power over inanimate objects, that being food and saying that like, I can't trust myself. But if you can, you know, maybe you do the meditation, the finding safety and security in your own body. Maybe you just work with your breath. Maybe you use another tool um, to help bring you into the present moment, bring you into your body and then get to really enjoy that food or that experience from a place where you're fully present in it. You're going to receive so much satiation. You're going to receive so much, the more pleasure you can allow yourself to receive, and the key in allowing yourself to receive more pl pleasure is being present in the situation, present with the food, present in the experience. The more satiated you will be, meaning the less you'll need, the less you'll feel these compulsive, these drives, the less you'll feel out of control, like you have no control over you know, what your body's wanting to eat, what your body's needing. And so slowing down, slowing down and allowing yourself to not be wrong or bad for wanting these foods or wanting these things and instead be present with the want, be present with the desire, be present with the appetite and allow yourself to indulge in it if it feels congruent to you. And when we're actually like allowing and not making ourselves wrong or bad or dirty, that's when you realize like, oh, I don't need as much of this thing as I, you know, would binge in the past. I just need a little taste. I just want to enjoy it. And then actually now I'm, I'm complete. I'm good. I'm filled up because I'm actually letting myself feel and taste and savor. And again, if we feel... This is a little going back a little bit, but I just saw bullet on my notes and I want to make sure and name this. I also believe when we feel unsafe in our sexuality or unsafe in our body, that that can 
that directly links into overeating or using food to cope. Because when we have that level of unsafety in our body, we're going to need to, our body will, our bodies are so freaking smart. They're, they're so intelligent and they're going to find a way to soothe our, us, right? We're going to find a way to cope. So we're not in this heightened level of unsafety and food is such a powerful way of creating self-soothing of, you know, helping to demit, you know, if you stuff yourself, you're not going to feel that sexual desire that want, you're going to be like, Oh, I'm so stuffed. My stomach hurts. And so it's a very, very common coping strategy. It's a very, I've worked with clients who have had, you know, differing degrees of sexual trauma in the past. And it's very, very common when that has happened to lead to disordered eating, specifically overeating or binge episodes, um, because there's so much shame, because there's so much hurt and trauma from, from being victimized or assaulted in that way, that food is the way that can bring more feelings of, of safety. And so it's very common and it makes sense. And so if that has been your pattern, please don't, you know, make yourself wrong or try to like, quote unquote, fix it. The intention of this episode isn't like, let's fix ourselves. No, it's just, let's increase and broaden our understanding of ourselves, of these mechanisms so that we can have more knowledge, have more information to support ourselves going forward in the future. I don't believe in quote unquote, fixing ourselves. I don't think we need to be fixed because if you think we need to be fixed, that inherently means you're wrong or bad versus we're just working to allow kind of, as I said in that last section, the last sentence that I read of tap into desire of um, we're just increasing our capacity to be in the full spectrum of our humanity. So it's a very, might seem subtle, but it's really significant. It's a very different framework of operating and of, I just want to integrate all aspects of me. I want to create more organization in myself. I want to be in my full spectrum of who I am as a human versus I just need to fix this thing. I need to fix this thing, right? Which is more contractual in nature. And so then going back into, you know, our food, our appetite, and just letting ourselves be in that experience. So what I want to summarize um, in saying is I just encourage you to take what resonates with you from this episode. It might not all be for you, but to what does resonate, actually take it on and sit with it, reflect with it, have it in the back of your head of if you're feeling and maybe you're not feeling sexual desire. There's, you know, maybe that has been shut down because for so long it has felt wrong or bad. And so there is none, but to let yourself be okay, let yourself realize you're normal. There's nothing wrong or bad with you wherever you're at in that your own sexual experience. And to also, you know, maybe even getting curious of is there, has there in your life been a connection between your relationship with your sexuality and food? And if so, what has that been? And the only reason I'm inviting you to reflect on that is because that you're, it's going to help you gather actually really important information on yourself of maybe some of your own coping strategies that maybe you haven't been aware of. 
And I would really encourage you to just let yourself, as you feel a desire, as you feel an appetite or a hunger, to do your best in the given moment to be with that desire, appetite, hunger. To take those breaths. To be like, hmm, I'm hungry for this. Or, hmm, I'm really wanting this. Or, I'm wanting this to be different. And to do your best to not allow the mind to do its automatic loop of, well, you can't have that, or this will never be different, or, oh my God, it's going to be so much work. I'm overwhelmed. And to continue to breathe, to continue to ground, feel your feet, feel the earth, feel your pelvis to help be with, okay, but what is the next thing? What is the next step that I'm wanting? What is the next opportunity that is available in this moment? And all of that will help you to become more integrated more whole, more full, more satiated. If you have, you know, the urge to eat ice cream or chips or whatever the food that you have historically labeled as bad, to let yourself eat it. It's not bad. It's, it's food. It's neutral. And to just be present with it, right? Like turn off the television, turn off your phone and just be present with what it is in front of you. So I, there's so much I could say on this topic. Uh, maybe I will at some point, you know, expand upon this episode as I have a lot of thoughts that I didn't include. But um, if I would love to hear from you if this brought some thoughts up, some feelings, maybe some disagreements. It's all welcome. And I invite you to, you know, reach out to me. Send me an email. I would love to hear your reflections on this topic because it's a heated and I think vulnerable topic and also really personal. We all have our own personal relationships with food, with sex, with our desires. And um, yeah, go ahead and take care. I really invite you to take that free resource, the free gift at thewishallwellness.com. The link will be in the show notes so you have access to that um, to help begin to increase our capacity, right? We don't like snap our fingers and like, oh, I have this capacity to deal with this and this. It's it's an ongoing process of increasing our capacity to be with what is, to be with the discomfort. And in order to be able to continually and continuously make what I see as radically embodied, conscious, consistent, empowered choices, we actually have to be putting ourselves in some degree of discomfort most days because, you know, whether that be discomfort in a hard workout, whether that be discomfort in a cold plunge, um, but that's increasing our bodies and our nervous system's ability to adapt to uncomfortable stimulus so that then when the discomfort comes from more of a, you know, emotional level or interpersonal level, we will more readily be able to handle it because we can do those hard things. We've done those hard things. We've consistently chosen those hard things in an effort to increase our inherent strength, our inherent capacity. Um, yeah, <laughs> lots to say there. So in closing, I invite you, you know, maybe today, tomorrow, the next day of if there is a craving that you currently have for food or some sort of like pleasurable experience, and it doesn't need to be related to sex, but something that would be like, yeah, that would feel really good to take even just the 10 minutes to do that thing, 
where you can be uninterrupted, where you're not having distractions, to just be present with yourself and receive, receiving that thing, receiving that food, receiving that touch, receiving that own tender self-care. And when I'm in my head, as I'm saying that tender self-care, I'm visualizing, you know, maybe it's just like a tender self-massage of exfoliating all of your body and then putting, you know, some nice lotion or oil on it, which is such a beautiful, loving thing that creates so much pleasure and so much satiation in our system. And it's incredibly soothing. So if you're feeling unsafe in your body, it can be an incredibly soothing way to help create a little bit more resource. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I appreciate you as always for tuning in. I truly, truly, truly do. Take care. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast episode. If you enjoyed the episode and you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast to Radical Embodiment. That will keep you up to date and in the loop for when new episodes drop. And also please, you know, download. If you listen on Apple, please leave a review of the podcast. That is what helps people find this podcast as well as get guests who you might be more familiar with. So please do the like, subscribe, all of that, and share with your friends and family. The way that Radical Embodiment is growing right now is really, truly from woman to woman sharing with each other. And so if you have a friend, loved one who would resonate and enjoy the message, then please share with them. And if you are someone, if you are a woman who is currently struggling with your relationship with your body, meaning you are constantly preoccupied with thoughts of your physical appearance, with thoughts around your weight, obsessing over food, and you're ready to stop that cycle, that you don't have to live your life in the whole cycle, that your worth, your enoughness is tied into your weight, then I invite you to take me up on this free offering I have, which is to book a free, it's a complimentary embracing radical embodiment call. This is a one-on-one call with me and in the call we'll get clear and give you at least one specific takeaway that will support you into being able to experience and embrace more acceptance, more love for your body. So to book this Embracing Radical Embodiment call, you can go to the show notes and you'll see a link at the bottom. You can also visit my website at radicalembodiment.com and at the bottom of the homepage, you'll see where it says work with Emily one-on-one. If you click that, that'll take you directly to the link um, to my calendar. And if you have any trouble finding that link, you can just reach out to me on there. So I hope you take me up on this free Embracing Radical Embodiment call if you are really ready to just shift the story of being dissatisfied with your body and really decide and choose the path of radical embodiment, the path of being in your body, of living in your body. Of course, if we decide it's a mutual fit on that call, I will let you know what it's like to work with me one-on-one privately longer term, but it's important for me you know, to say now there's zero pressure in that call. That's not the way I operate. Also, if it doesn't feel like a fit, I won't invite you to work with me. So, and you will walk away from that call if that's all you do with some clarity that will hopefully propel you in some 
action that's coming from an empowered place, a place that's going to bring you into some more body love. So book your Embracing Radical Embodiment call. And again, thanks for tuning into the episode and I will see you. I guess you'll hear me on the next episode. Take care.